Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. So we're studying um, about how to destroy the spirit of Baal. We're going to do you first. You're going to see some real things in this that are going to help us with that. And when I looked up Baal, one of the places I saw it talked about um, was in Judges and the story about Gideon. So let's start there. Judges 6.1. And the sons of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the, to Midian for seven years. Okay, Midian means confusion. Well, it really means uh, fighting. It means contention and brawling. So how many would say that some of your families have been given to that spirit of contention and brawling? How many would say that overall, definitely our politics have been given to that, right? And, and the schools have been given to that. So this is a spirit that we want to see, how do we destroy this thing? How do we destroy this thing? Because God doesn't want our homes full of contention and full of brawling. Basically where it's not fun to walk in your door because there's going to be arguing and fighting and all this stuff going on, okay? It's hard to watch the news. It's hard to be, keep listening to the politicians because everything has this contention and brawling on it, right? But it doesn't mean we quit. It means get it out of our hearts deal with what's in our homes. Then we can start dealing with what's in this church. Then we can start dealing with what's in our uh, local area, right? That's how you do this stuff. All right. So then, and the hand of Midian was strong against Israel and the sons of Israel made dens for themselves before the faces of Midian in the mountains, in the caves, and the strongholds. In other words, they were so afraid of these people, they were hiding. Well, let me just tell you what, there are a lot of people afraid of what's going on in the world today and they're just hiding. They're thinking, if I move into this neighborhood, I'll be safe. If I stay over here and just don't pay attention to anything else, I'll be safe. That's the modern-day cave. The modern-day cave is moving to a gated community where you think you're safe. How many know when you're dealing with spiritual things, you're not safe except in the will of God? And it happened after Israel had sown crops that Midian um, and the sons of the east came, and they came against them. They camped against them. They destroyed their produce and land. Um... And they left no food in Israel. They didn't leave sheep, ox, or mules. Basically, what they're saying is these, this spirit wants us to have lack. This spirit wants to produce famine. This spirit... Now, look, this was not a God famine, right? This wasn't something... This was the enemy purposely stopping the food source. This was the enemy purposely stopping the food source to say, we are going to control you with this. We're going to punish you with this. How many know that most of anything we've seen of a shortage, all of it, has been manufactured by evil people? That's not the same as a famine that God brings. Okay? So the warfare against it is not the same as a famine that God brings. All right. All right. All right. Judges 6, 5. 
For they came up with their livestock, with their tents. They came in like locusts for number, and there was no number to them, to their camels. They came into the land to destroy it. Their intention is to push everybody out who doesn't believe like they believe. To take over. To set up. To make it the way they want it. And it happened when the sons of Israel had cried to Jehovah about this. So what happened So what happens when you see this happening? It causes the people of God to begin to pray about it. Has anybody been praying about some of the things we've seen in our nations, about some of the shortages, about, um, you know, uh, sicknesses and things that man had a lot to do with, right? Okay, that's biblical. They were doing that back in Gideon's days. It happened when the sons of Israel had cried to Jehovah about this. Jehovah sent a man, a prophet, to the sons of Israel, and they said to them, So says Jehovah, the God of Israel, I have bought, I brought you up out of Egypt. I brought you out from, no, I like this part. I brought you out from a house of slaves. So God is talking to a people who have been oppressed. And God is saying, Look, I took care of that. I brought you out of that. And when we look at some of the things that the enemy is stirring up to divide our nation, stirring up to cause people to side with a political view that's antichrist, right? He's doing it, stirring up, and God's word to them is, wait a minute, I delivered your, I delivered your ancestors from slavery. I delivered, uh, I took care of that, okay? And God's saying, I'm the one who took care of it. And he's basically saying, I took care of these things that the enemy was doing to you. I've delivered you, 6-9, out of the hand of the Egyptians. I've delivered you out of the hand of your oppressors. I have driven them out before you. I have given you their land. So the Lord's saying, look, I know there are people who've been oppressed. I know there's people that the enemy put into slavery. I know there's people who were really having it rough. But those who know God, he says, but I will take you out of that. I have delivered you. I will deliver you. I will bring you into freedom. And so the enemy comes back to try to recapture us, right? He tries to come in to bring us back into oppression. How many would say we've watched that happen with our politicians? and everything else right now well not now but a few years ago our nation anyone could prosper how do you know because you can look there are people of every race who are in positions of authority there are people in every race who are chiefs of things and and principals and and police officers and uh senators and even a president and you see what i'm saying that didn't happen before when God was bringing us out. There was a time, if you didn't own land, you couldn't even vote in this nation. You had to be a landowner. And the only ones who owned land were the people who may had pretty big amount of property. And over time, that got done. And then all men could vote. Then all of a sudden, all women could vote. And then all of a sudden, everybody, you know what I'm saying? And so God has brought us out of that oppression. And then the enemy couldn't stand that. The enemy couldn't stand that this nation was getting free from his grip. Am I saying, am I saying there's, there's always, inju- the rich people rule over the poor people. I don't care what your skin color is, people. The rich use their wealth to try to rule over other people. 
That's what this whole elitist globalist people are doing. They want to use their wealth to take everything from anyone who has wealth and to destroy them, to rule over them. That is Baal. That's how Baal works. That's the love of money. That's whoever has the most money gets to tell everybody else what to do. That's why pouring all this money into politics seems to me like something's wrong with that, right? But God's like, but I, he's our deliverer, right? He is our deliverer. Nobody but him is our deliverer. I want you to really get that message and to know that. But then we use everything he has allowed us to use in our nation that's, legal, that's moral. First of all, moral and legal. I'm not going to do something immoral because it's legal in our nation. How many know there's a lot of immoral things that are now legal in our nation? I'm not agreeing with man's laws if they go against God's laws. Right? All right. Now he says, I've taken care of you before, and I say to you, I am Jehovah your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites among you that you're dwelling in their land. But you would not listen to my voice. And the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak, which is Ophrah, which belonged to Joash. Now, Joash, his name means a father figure. And Joash is Gideon's father. And his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the eyes of Midian. Okay, from what I've studied with this, and, and um, Brian Simmons has some good stuff, they did not thresh wheat in the winepress. To thresh wheat right, you had to do it outside so while you're smashing the stuff, all the chaff could fly away. But they did not want to be found out where they were hiding. So they're trying to make their food underground, even though it's messy and hard, in the wine press. So it really revealed that Gideon and that culture had learned not to trust God, but to hide and to shut up and to be quiet to try to survive. Right? And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, now, first of all, the angel of the Lord is a very powerful spirit. It could be the Holy Spirit, but I, I, I'm not, they call, let me see something really fast. This is how I do stuff. All right. But the word, let's see. But Holy Spirit is also found, called Holy Spirit in, in the Old Testament. So that means when I see the spirit of the Lord it's probably something different than the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get too deep for you guys. The Lord himself has the spirit of the Lord. So this is a powerful messenger from the Lord that literally operates with the Lord Jesus Christ all the time. And it's a messenger. It's a spirit that goes and gives messages directly from the Lord. Okay? So when you see the spirit of the Lord... Um, you know, maybe some people think it's the Holy Spirit, but there's another name for Holy Spirit. So whatever, right? We don't have to know for sure. We do know this is a powerful angel that reveals the Lord. He reveals the plans of the Lord, the messages of the Lord. And in a few minutes, you're going to see um, that Gideon actually saw the Lord. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Jehovah is with you, mighty warrior. All right. We have to start doing this when we look in the mirror, okay, people? We have to start doing this when we 
pray for other people. You have to do this when you pray for your wayward children. You need to do this when you pray for somebody who doesn't seem um, very powerful in the things of God. The Lord called Gideon by the way God sees Gideon. You mighty man of war. Now, it's pretty funny when you figure out, here is this guy hiding in the wine cellar, trying to make wheat in a totally not way to do it so that nobody can find him. And he's petrified of being murdered by the enemy. And then an angel shows up, the, the angel of the Lord, a powerful angel. We know that minimum could be Holy Spirit. I won't get into all that, okay? Some things, just I don't have the revelation. I've, I've read different things. I've had different revelations from the Lord, but I'm not going to argue about it now. So here he is, this powerful messenger angel that obviously could be seen because Gideon saw him, and here he says to him, you, you mighty man of war, you warrior, you powerful fighting man of God. And here, this is Gideon's response and I got to be honest, it's probably the response of a lot of people who are listening to me. He said, mighty warrior. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if Jehovah is with us, then why? Now, he doesn't even, he, right now, he's not saying that he's not a mighty warrior. He's more excited about seeing this powerful angel. How cool is that? And talking to him about something. And so he says, oh, my Lord, if Jehovah is with us, then why has this happened to us? Oh my gosh, how many people are saying that right now? If God is really with us, then why didn't the election go the way we thought it would? If God is really with us, why are these things happening? Why, why is there so much going on against us? Well, first of all, now Gideon didn't hear the conversation, but we did, right? We heard the Lord say, this is happening because of the sin. This is happening because people who I've taken out of slavery want, uh, don't recognize I've delivered them. People who've been oppressed don't recognize I'm the answer. People who I've set free and have led didn't want to hear me and do it my way. And I'm not talking about one people group. I'm talking about a nation, okay? I'm talking about our whole nation. And here it is, the Lord saying, I'm the answer. I proved myself. I proved myself in this nation. I proved myself to my people. I proved myself through generations. And yet, they're not listening to me. They're doing it their way. They're serving the gods of the, the land. So he's already told us this, but Gideon didn't hear that. So Gideon's saying, Jehovah... Why has this happened to us? Where are all your wonders with our fathers recounted to us saying, did not Jehovah bring us up out of Egypt? And now Jehovah has left us. He has given us into the hands of Midian. In other words, he's saying, what's happened? I know our ancestors were delivered from Egypt. I know they were taken out of slavery. I know there were some awesome things that happened, but he's not answering our prayers now. Is any of it real? Is God really doing miracles today? Now, these are the, not only is it something that Gideon is thinking this, because a lot of believers are thinking this right now. A lot of people are just ready to say, oh, God's coming to get us tomorrow. A lot of people think, well, God doesn't do that today. Holy Spirit doesn't really manifest in people today. The, the lukewarm are, are, are already writing off that God can do anything and would do anything. Jehovah turns to him. 
Now, this is Jehovah. So now we know this angel of the Lord, either the Lord showed up to or it was the Lord. I'm not going to get in. That doesn't tell me here. But it says, Jehovah turned to him and said, how cool is this? So he's having a face-in-face -face encounter with the Lord. And the Lord says to him, go in this strength of yours and you shall deliver Israel out of the hand of Midian, which remains strife, brawling, confusion, contention. I have I not sent you? All right. Gideon is getting a direct assignment from the Lord. I love this when you see in a minute how, how unbelievably patient God is. Because here Gideon is having a face-in-face -face encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, Jesus looked like Jesus before he came in flesh. So people who think there was no Jesus until Mary had him don't understand who Jesus is. Jesus is the son of God. He's always been. He came forth from the father way before he came in flesh. Okay. He steps out of the father. He looks just like the father. He and the father are one. Okay. And the spirit is everywhere. The spirit comes forth from him. Jesus is the one who created everything, spoke everything into being. He is though I believe with all my heart, Jesus, he wasn't called Jesus. Then he was called Jehovah the Lord. He's the one who walked in the garden with Adam. I personally believe the father always stays on the throne because I think he is everything. I think there is nothing outside of him and everything revolves around him. And I can't see a single place in scripture where the heavenly father is not seated on his throne. Just telling you. And so people don't understand God. And it's kind of like, get those little, those little, um, those little things that they have in Russia where the dogs, they stack in each other, but they all look alike. What are they called? Nesting dolls. Nesting dolls. And you take and you open up one and boom, there's an identify exact same one that comes forth out of it. That's the sun. Whoop, open the other one. That's the spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? He, he's one. You can put him. He's all one. He looks the same. Jesus says, when you see me, you've seen the father. Which means... He didn't change his looks when he got born. He just put, took on flesh. Okay, let me just really clear one up. This is not about Jesus as the son of man. Jesus as the son of man, he had to come as a second Adam to win mankind back because of how powerful God is and God will never back off on what he's done. So when God gave the planet to man and he gave it to Adam and Adam gave it to the devil, then Jesus had to come back as a man to win it back. So he was the son of man. He had a body, a spirit, and a soul, but he was God. Okay, he won it back by being led by the Holy Spirit to not disobey God and to walk holy, which was possible for Adam to do, or God would have never set it up. Adam chose not to do it. Jesus chose to do it. It never says he wasn't God, though. There's no scripture that ever says he wasn't God. What he showed us was what it looks like to have God inside of us. If we don't know who Jesus is and we're thinking he's some man running around the earth and then I'm not trying to, I don't, I can't do this as a man or woman. I have to do this as someone who has the divine nature of God in me. And I, and I'm not going to lose that divine nature. I'm going to, I'm going to yield my flesh to that divine nature. Jesus yielded his flesh to the divine nature of God. 
He never sinned. He didn't even sin before the angel came on him, right? That would pretty much be impossible until Holy Spirit baptized. And if, if it wasn't, if he was just a normal kid, he could not have gone without sinning until he had the revelation of, of who he even was at 12, right? I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm just trying to set people free from why we've watered down who Jesus is to make him like us. Jesus is God. He came to put God inside of us so we can be sons and daughters of God. He did not come just to make us like we've always been. Adam, second Adam had to win back mankind. I believe with all my heart because Jesus was thought of to come and do this before the foundations of the earth. So God knew that Adam was going to blow it. God knew that Adam could not do this except the divine nature of God was in Adam. But he set Adam up in a perfect environment for Adam to not give in to sin. He knew Adam was going to give in to sin. Why? Because before the foundations of the earth, he already saw the plan of redemption through Jesus Christ and the cross, right? Okay, so, and I'm not going to get into, I could, but we don't have time. Why would he do that? Because he's God and he can, and that was his plan. His plan was for us to live as human beings and see how much we need God. To see that without him, we're evil. Without him, we can't, we can't do things right. Without him, we're not pleasing no matter how hard we try. So he let them do that. He made covenants. I can't get in the whole thing. There's a whole thing about that. This is all real. But he knew from the foundation of the earth that he was going to come. Jesus Christ was coming. The Lord Jehovah God was coming as the son and he took on flesh so he would qualify as a man and he could win back the keys from the enemy. And he did. And it doesn't matter if you think that's how it should be or not. God's in charge of this game, not us. This is the real game of life. And God sets it up. He knows everything about it. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the book of Revelation is going to happen. He knows his bride's going to get ready without spot or blemish. He knows she's going to come in unity with the Holy Spirit. He knows at some time that call is going to reach heaven and the Father's going to send the Lord down to totally, ho, totally defeat the enemy once and for all, put him away for a thousand years. He gets out one more time and it's already all written, okay? It's all written down. It's all yes and amen. It's all happening and we're living that out. And so quit being afraid. We know the author and the finisher of our faith. We know the one who's going to finish this. The key is, where are we going to be in this? Are we going to be scared and, and not trusting God? Are we going to be in delusion and think we don't have a part to play in this? Gideon had a part to play in setting Israel free at this time. We need to see who has God raised up to have a part to play in this in a big way. And we need to pray for that person. We need to intercede for that person. We need to cry out for that person. We need to be the prodigy of Christ who prays and intercedes. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It says in the word, right? But we do fight every principality, every evil spirit, every wicked thing, everything in high places. We are the ones who do the battle. So if Christ doesn't come back soon, it's not because, it's because the bride's not ready, because the church is asleep. Or in the dark ages, which is what the devil's trying to do, so she can't get the bride ready. All Satan wants right now is shut the church up. Shut her up, shut her up, shut her up, shut her up. 
Let's put her in the dark. Let's go back into the dark ages like we did before with the early church. When we saw this kind of power before, we got in with the Catholic church. We got this thing organized. We got it all of a sudden where you had to be a Catholic or you were going to get killed. All of a sudden you had to be a Christian. All of a sudden free will was taken away and all of a sudden the church became like the devil. And then Martin Luther had a revelation from God reading the word of God because regular people couldn't and broke free from that. And we're all in that restoration series. And even now, we have not seen the apostles restored yet. It's coming. We're really, we're going to see it. The apostolic's coming. Then we're going to have pure doctrine. Then we're going to have people who know how to cast out demons. Then we're going to have people who love Jesus Christ more than their lives. Then we're going to have people who are going to see unity in the body of Christ like we've never known before. And that's why we're going through a shaking. That's why you're going through a shaking. That's why I'm going through a shaking. He's going to shake everything that can be shaken. Because the only thing that can't be shaken is his kingdom for real. And Satan's mad because we were getting too close to some people really living the Christian life led by Holy Spirit. We were getting too close to some people having real authority and power and living holy. We were getting too close to some preaching about God was going to bring forth a bride without spot or blemish. And when Satan heard that preaching starting to come out, he got really, really nervous because he knows that has to happen. And he knows when that happens, his days are numbered. And then he knows he's only getting a thousand years being tormented. And then he gets to get out for a short time. Nobody knows what that means because God doesn't like to give that stuff out because ha-ha, devil, you won't know when I let you out after that. He'll, devil will know when he's coming out if he has a calendar. But he won't know how long he's going to be out. And nobody here can tell us because God's not telling us. Can I tell you this? Everything God wants done is going to be done. And we're, we're, the, we're the game pieces, so to speak. We're the interactive. It's an interactive game. Or is this the generation that's going to bring forth the bride? Is this the generation that's going to get serious? Is this the generation that's not going to let them steal her voice or his voice? Right? So he says here to Gideon, Jehovah turns to him and says, go in the strength of yours. You shall deliver Israel out of the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Now he's seeing Jesus and really having an encounter with Jesus. Okay, so he's seeing Jesus. He's having an encounter with Jesus. He really sees this. And here's his answer. And he said to him, this is Gideon, oh my Lord, with what shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is weak. I'm the least of my father's house. What's he saying? I'm not qualified for this. I'm not qualified. You know, I got to be honest. I'm not qualified for this. I look at a lot of you guys who are called to help pray and be part of this. And I'm like, Lord, we are just not qualified for this. Jesus looked at those uh, disciples that God gave him, the ones who would be apostles. And I know he looked at fishermen. He looked at only a few educated people. He looked at people. He, you see their hang up. Go really study. Go Look at the Gospels and really see what these guys were like. They were fighting who wanted to be the best and this and that and the other. And Jesus knew this is, I'm dying on the cross to turn this whole thing over to them. But knowing they're going to be led by Holy Spirit. 
How many know we can't do this unless we're led by Holy Spirit? How many know we cannot even save Newport News from the spirit of Baal and Ishtar if we're not led by the Holy Spirit? How many know we've got to start to see that we are being led by God? We've been called to this place for this time. We've heard powerful teaching. We've moved into a lot of things. This isn't, this is meat. This is not baby food. And Yet God is saying, I know who you are. I knew you'd be sitting here. I knew I'd shake things down to a certain place and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But we have to be like Gideon. Gideon is humble to know this is impossible. See, when, when my daughter died, I knew I couldn't do anything. And I knew it wasn't, but I believe God for a miracle. And I asked for a miracle even that day in the yard. And he, he said, no, we're not doing that. But he said, you have to trust me a different way. But I know this. I then thought, how am we, how are we going to survive? How is my family going to stay together? How am I not going to end up in the statistics with the people who are divorced? How am I not going to lose my son and them hating God and this, that, and the other? And that's the place where you can't figure it out and you don't know how it's going to work. And God already has a plan that you know nothing about. And Satan's going to try to get in the middle of that plan. But God has an even bigger plan. And you just lay it down. Can I tell you, that's where we're at right now for this nation. We are at a place right now where there is not enough politicians who could turn anything around unless God takes over in this nation, unless God heals the brokenhearted through the church. That's how he does it. Unless God has people who will yield and bust these spiritual principalities and these quote gods, these pagan gods out of our nation until there's a people. And let me tell you this, we cannot push this on people because God is not asking for us to have a nation that we have Christian rules and regulations, but no Christ. This isn't about let's make everybody dress better. and Let's make everybody do this. This is about a change in the heart where you want to dress better. I mean, and we got to give the Lord time to work in a culture that's crazy. I mean, I remember I, I, I used to be really tiny. Okay, like really, really tiny. And I actually wore a two-piece pretty small bathing suit. And, but I was so tiny, it didn't matter, but I did. So even, even when I was pregnant with Lauren, I wore a bikini. And, and, um, and then I remember the day I was out on the beach. I was somewhere where nobody would know who I was. I was just starting really in ministry. And, and um, I can't remember. It might have even been next. I don't remember. And I had on my two-piece, pretty small bathing suit. And this man, we, we just started talking, walking. And right away, I felt, I felt, oh, God, I don't want to. And I'm talking about the Lord in this two-piece bathing suit, you know, because we were really talking about the Lord. I think he was a minister. And I thought, oh, I wish I wasn't dressed like this. And before that, y'all, I didn't think anything of it, okay? And I was saved since I was seven, okay? But all of a sudden, I had the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You can't say what you need to say about who I am. And he, he can't literally sit here and talk with you and have the conversation I would have you have. From that day on, I have never worn a two-piece bathing suit. Or maybe two-piece, but everything, it's the long top over it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who did that? God did that. I didn't get saved and go get baptized in the Holy Spirit in a church. And they sent me down and say, I don't want to ever see you in a two-piece bathing suit again. Do you get what I'm saying? We got to bring them in and let God clean them up. And if we have something real, he'll clean them up. And let me say this. If he hasn't cleaned you up or your children up, they're not in Christ. That's the teaching I got. Oh, I got this really good teaching for Tuesday. You don't want to miss this teaching for Tuesday. On Tuesday, I'm going to teach you the difference of having, being born again and being in Christ. 
And it's day and night what will happen in your life if you if you quit settling for being born again and you choose to be in Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ. If you have condemnation, you are not in Christ. If somebody can say something to you and make you feel bad and make you feel guilty and make you question this and that, you live in condemnation, not in Christ. And so remind me Tuesday. I knew I had a message. I, I was talking to somebody this morning. I said, gosh, I know God gave me two different messages for Tuesday nights. I can't remember what the one is. I just remembered. Okay, so, so that's what we're doing Tuesday night because there's a big difference from being born again, which is awesome. That'll get you to heaven. That's kind of like your passport to heaven. But being in Christ is how you live now and glorify God. And you can't do it without being in Christ. And you can't be in the flesh and in Christ at the same time. You can't be carnal-minded and be in the spirit at the same time. You can't. And you have to start. And you'll see. I'll do it. It's going to be awesome. I'm just telling you. Bring notebooks because some of you are in Christ in some things and not in other things. Some of you are never in Christ. Christ is in you, but you live almost the same except he convicts you of a few things, but you don't understand the more spiritual stuff. Well, it's because you don't understand how to be in Christ. And so condemnation and feel bad and feeling judged always tries to get a hold of you and God wants to set you free because that's what we were created to be in Christ it's in Christ that's amazing it's in Christ that you know what to say and when to say it and how to say it it's not because you said oh you're a minister I was in Christ way before I was a minister and you can be in Christ just you have to be born again to then get to be in Christ but being in Christ is a decision you make as to believe in what God says over what the enemy says. So we'll do that Tuesday. All right. Anyway, he says, um, so here the Lord talks him face to face, and then all, even seeing the Lord, tell him, go in my strength. Now remember, Gideon doesn't have Holy Spirit in him, though. Gideon says, wait a minute, wait a minute. You picked the wrong person. You picked the wrong person. <laughs> you know, my family's not rich. My family's not all that smart. You know what I mean? Like, in the town I come from, like, Jesus, our Lord, Jehovah, then Jehovah, you found the wrong person. Go find somebody who, who has more charisma. Go find somebody who, you know, like I'm sitting here hiding in the wine press because I'm so afraid, and you want me to go out there and, in my, you know, you're going to give me the leadership here to <laughs> um, change things? Come on. Some of you get prophecies and they're directly from Holy Spirit and you know it and you still sit there and question them and you look at who you are. Quit looking at who you are. Look at who he is. Look at who he is. Okay. Jehovah says to him, I, I just love this. Jehovah is so powerful. He knew he had all these questions. Jehovah says to him, because I am with you, you shall strike medium as one man. What is he saying? He goes, look, I know it's a gigantic army. I know it's tons of people against you. But you know what? Because I'm with you, just see it as one being, one human you got to take down. One human I'm going to give you authority to take down. Just see it as one person you're fighting because I'm going to do this in you. Because what, did, what was he doing? He was taking something impossible how many would say right now things are kind of impossible, right? Quit packing your bags and think raptures tomorrow. We are going to see a harvest of souls. We have got to see the Asia one for the Lord. We have to see the Philippines set free. We have to see India and the Muslim nations come to Christ. He didn't just die for, um, for European 
um, nations, okay? He didn't just die for uh, the West. He died for everybody, and he's going to have, you know, we look at the billions of people in India, the billions of people in China. God is just waiting for what is about to happen to bust those places loose, to absolutely saturate heaven with people from all nations. We've already seen a lot of it in Africa, thank God. We've seen a lot of evangelism. It's done powerful things. We need more, right? We need more. But there are some places that have been held tight, and God's going to get them. So he doesn't want us packing our bags and going into the dark ages thinking he's coming next week. He wants us to be like Gideon and get the marching orders and see it as one thing God is going to give me authority to overcome. We are going to watch this city Newport News get saved. We're going to watch it for the first time in history get a political platform that glorifies God. I don't care what name they put on it, but it's going to glorify God. We are going to do it. We are going to watch whew, Moloch bow his knee and quit killing our babies. We're going to. We're going to get Ishtar and her nasty little self dethroned and bring decency back to this place. And then we're going to take it from here, and we're going to train up people to do it in Hampton, and then we're going to do it in Virginia Beach, and we're going to do it. And then pretty soon they're going to say, how do this little church do this? And then all of a sudden the doors are going to open for somebody to hear what God has been given me for years and then we'll start to take the nation and anybody can say what they want we got Virginia with this governorship because we were doing this we heard God and we prayed specific and exactly what we prayed happened exactly when we prayed it and the entire 10-point lead how lost and God did something and God's not okay with one or two people knowing how to do this. God wants his church to rise up and win this nation. Let me just go further. Win your neighborhoods. Win your neighborhoods. Instead of having the mindset, oh, well, we've been so oppressed. How about go and win those neighborhoods? How much we need this to hit. You know what? We are not giving this place over to the devil, okay? We're not. We're not. We moved here, began to pray. God raised up people, and however he does it, we're nobody. We only bought this building not because we love Newport News. We only bought this building for one reason. Well, God had us buy the building, but and we couldn't afford the building. But the building was affordable, not affordable, it was totally not affordable. Over half a million dollars, 300,000 renovations. We had $200 in the bank. The reason we bought this building was because God brought me in here. I had faith. It was a horrible mess, and I signed contracts in faith. I did a Gideon. I stepped out in faith, and then it petrified me, but we won't talk about that. You're not going to win anything until you have God in you and he shows you what to do and you do it. Some of you won't even walk your little neighborhoods and do a prayer walk unless somebody has to take you by the hand and say, let's organize this. And then you wonder why you're being kicked out of your homes. You wonder why those neighborhoods aren't safe. Well, it's time to get a revelation. God is not doing this through just a few people. If your family's messed up, it's because you haven't walked out and done what he wants you to do. My entire family, I believe almost the entire family, is saved. They weren't. We weren't brought up saved. We weren't, you know, we, we were dropped up at church so my parents had a break on Sunday morning. 
Now my dad is saved. My mom's been completely saved for a long time. My brothers are saved. My sisters are saved. Most of us are active in ministry from a non-ministry family. And I know there were people before us who prayed for us. It's time. It's time to get out of the let somebody else do it and get free and walk in what God's calling you to. So here's Gideon. So he says, because I'm with you, I shall strike Midian as one man. And he said to him, please, if I know this is, this is Gideon. Does everybody recognize that talking to the Lord must not be that intimidating? Now, talking to the Father can be, but talking to the Lord, he's sitting there negotiating with Jesus. I think this is so cool to show us the personality of Jesus, all right, or the Lord. He wasn't called Jesus yet. He's called Jehovah. All right. And he says to him, please, if I have found grace in your eyes, then you shall do for me a sign that you are speaking with me. This is amazing. He's sitting there talking to him. And he says face to face. He's having this talk with God. He's talking to God. And he's going, um, could I make sure this is really you? Come on. How many have done that? Not that, not that we necessarily saw Jesus face to face. I, I would hope if I saw him face to face, I wouldn't do this. But, but I have to say, even the encounters when the Holy Spirit came that time about healing my son and pointed at me and this and that in the spirit, I still started questioning it and the devil attacked me and tried to make me not believe it, but, but I had to stand my ground. So even encounters with God, powerful encounters with God, the enemy tries to steal them and flood your mind with unbelief. All right. So here, here he is. I love this. You got to picture this now. They're in a wine cellar. There's all this wheat mess all around. Here's God speaking to him and saying, I'm, I'm going to use you, mighty man of war. I'm going to use you to save your nation. And he's like, uh, you picked the wrong guy. I think you picked the wrong guy. And the Lord goes, no, no, don't think about how big the enemy is. Think of it as just one man that with God in you, you're going to defeat. And then he says, well, Please, if I found grace in your eyes, then you shall do for me a sign that you are speaking with me so that I know for sure it's you. Please do not move from here until I come to you and bring my food offering and lay it before you. I love this. And the Lord says, I will stay until you come back. Here's Gideon. Look, could you stay right here for a minute? Because if you're really God, I need to give you an offering and I don't really want to leave and then come back and you not be here. Is this amazing? And here's the Lord. Okay. I love him. I just love the Lord. Some of you are so afraid of the Lord in the wrong way. How awesome is he? How awesome is he? He's not trying to find you doing things wrong. He's not trying to punish you. He's like, he just knows. (laughs) Like, okay, I love this. So, So here's Gideon. But what's the heart of Gideon when he asks this? He's like, I know if I come into the presence of God, there needs to be an offering. There needs to be an offering for my sin. There needs to be something sacrificed. I really, really, because this was before Christ. Remember, this is before Jesus on the cross. He goes, I know this is kind of the way it ought to be. So could you stay right here for a minute? I love it. So here's Jesus left in a wine cellar with wheat mess all over where Gideon runs out. I will stay until you come back. Gideon went in, so he went into wherever he And he prepared um, the meat of the goats and unleavened bread. He put the flesh in a basket, which he put the meat in the basket, and put the broth in a pot. And he brought it out to him under the oak and offered it. So obviously by now they're under an oak tree. 
they must have walked out while talking. I don't know. I have to go back and study some. If I care that much, no. Oak means strong. Okay. I love this because when the Lord gave me this revelation the other night, because I actually was praying for God to give me something specific that he was calling me to that had to do with what just happened in the elections and things like that. So Lord, show me something. He gave me this. This is so cool. What did he bring and put before the Lord? Meat, not milk, meat, and unleavened bread. Unleavened bread represents sinlessness, holiness. And the Lord showed me, I want you to preach meat. And I want you to continue to do sanctification, healing the brokenhearted, to bring people into a place of holiness. So they want to be holy because I'm holy. I want you to keep doing your Tuesday night um, helping people get set free and healed and delivered to be holy. And I want you to keep preaching meat. I don't care if brand new people come in and look at you like they don't have a clue what you're saying. I don't want you to think about that anymore. I've called you to preach meat. I'm like, wow, that's cool. Thank you, God. Like, Yay. So then he says, and he brought it out to, to the Lord under the oak and offered it. And the angel of the Lord said to him, take the flesh, so take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, pour out the broth. And so he did. This is, this is about to be, I just brought my son, he's not probably going to watch this. Have you ever seen those, um, they, they've got those things like, um, I think they're called solo or something you wanted for Christmas, but it has fire under it and it comes up and you can use it to cook things or whatever, whatever. And when I, when I read this, it's kind of what, look what God did. He didn't bring the fire down on it. He had it consumed up in the fire, which is kind of cool. And, um, cause it says, and the angel of the Lord put forth the end of his staff and his hand in his hand. And he touched the, the meat and the unleavened bread and the fire rose up out of the rock. So the fire didn't go down from the staff. When he touched the staff, the fire came up out of the rock. This is like how they invented grills. <laughs> right? The fire, you, you don't throw stuff on it. The fire came up out of the rocks and burned up the meat and the bread. And then the angel of the Lord went out of his sight. What, what did God do? God came in and on the rock the rock of Jesus Christ, the foundation of God came up and consumed that offering. It consumed the meat. It consumed the unleavened bread. It was like the Lord giving his yes to this by taking that offering, not coming down on it, but coming up from the rock. Coming up from the rock to consume. I, see, I want the Lord to be able to say, you know what? This is my word. This is my word. This is my meat. This is you giving your offering to me to preach my meat and not just the milk, not just the cute little tales you've heard about Gideon and all that. That's all fine. Milk is great. Babies need milk. I'm asking God to bring people who want more than milk. I'm asking God to bring people who want the meat. They can come in knowing nothing, but they got to be hungry enough to eat fast enough to grow fast enough to want meat. And then God says, when you put all that on the rock, when you take your offering, when you take your gifting, when you take what he's called you to do, wherever you work, whatever you do, and you put it on the rock to glorify him, not for money, not to feel important, not to feel better about yourself, but you put it on the rock for him. 
then he's going to consume it because he's a consuming fire. He's going to take every single bit of what you offer up to him as a sweet smelling aroma and use it for his glory. Whoa, that's what he's going to do. So if you have hospitality, you need to take that gift. See, my gift really is, really my gifting is to teach meat and to help people be, live holy lives, get free. That's really my main thing I do. And so the Lord said, put that on the rock. What is it he calls you to do? What is it he's gifted you to do? He wants you to take it from where you use it for finances only, or you use it to, to feel better about yourself, or you don't use it at all. He wants you to take it out and put it on the rock. And when you put that on the rock, because you're doing like Gideon, Lord, I want to know that this is from you. I want to know that you've really called me to this. I really stay right there, Lord, while I go get what you've given me and I give it back to you for you to consume, for you to use, for you to take it as an offering. All right. And the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff in his hand, touched the foot. Okay. And the angel of the Lord then left his sight. And Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Oh, Lord Jehovah, because I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And Jehovah said to him, Peace. And the Lord says to him, Peace to you. Fear not. You shall not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the peace of Jehovah. It's still there. And it happened on that night, Jehovah said to him. Now, I want, we're going to finish with this part, and then we're going to get into some worship. And it happened on that night, Jehovah said to him, Take your father's bull, the second bull of seven years, and you shall throw down the altar. Listen, okay, this is his marching orders now. This is not a little thing. God is basically telling Gideon, you are going to take down your local altar to Baal. Now understand, when they did Baal worship, they would put things on the altar to a false god. That's where they put the babies, people, that they burned in the fire. They would put things on this altar to Baal to, to try to please the false god. It's where abortion is from. They would come in and they would do these things. It's like this is unto the Lord. Here, you got the entertainment doing it. You have all these different people. What is it? Ooh, feel this. It's where they are serving Baal. It's in our political party. Right now, believe me, when there is people in libraries dressed up like Ishtar, ho, trying to pervert and touch your children, that is an altar that's been set up to Baal. Ho, that's an altar that's been set up to Baal. Do you get what I'm saying? We need to see where are the altars in our school systems? Where are the altars in the political systems? Where are the altars in churches? There's not an altar to Baal in this church, just so you know. And if it tries to come through the door, we're going to take it down in the name of Jesus. Amen? Set people free and heal them. But there are altars to Baal in churches. There are altars to Baal. Okay? And so what he says to Gideon, first thing, after showing who he was, he says, now, he says, now, Gideon, I want you, and have on the same night, I want you now to take your father's bull, second bull of seven years, and you shall throw down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and you should cut down the pillar beside it, and you shall instead build an altar to the Lord your God on top of that stronghold in an orderly way, and shall take the second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the pillar which you have cut down. All right. What, what is he saying? It's not enough to tear down Baal's altar but you're going to make it an altar for me. Right now, you've got, um, uh, what's his name, Kirk Cameron, who, who used to be in some TV show, but he's a strong Christian. He just wrote 
uh, Christian books on the fruit of the spirit, things like that. Books anyone can read, just healthy, wholesome books. And he's offering to take it to public libraries where he will read them to the kids. Now, people would come. Parents in our generation who know who he is, they would bring their kids just because they'll recognize this kid from TV. 50 libraries said, no, you can't come. Well, it's a public place. If you ask them, why are the people who serve Ishtar, you all know who I'm talking about, in the libraries reading books and touching your kids, why are they allowed there? It's because they'll say, well, it's a public place. It belongs to the whole community. And it's up to the parents if they want to bring their children there or not. But all of a sudden, when somebody wants to take down the altar of Baal and build their, the altar to the Lord, they're like, no, you can't come in here. Do you see how in modern day history and news events is all in the word of God and he gives us a way to do it? And so for him to do that, we need to pray. We need to pray, okay, Lord, if he has to do lawsuits to get them to let him go in, fine. If he has to do whatever. And then more celebrities take the time to do this. More people who know God take the time to do this. Quit shutting up and letting Baal have all the authority. Whoever, quit paying to watch Baal. If it means like, hey, you know what, a big football game each year, and you, and you decide, okay, well, at least I'm turning off the commercials. I'm not watching it. I'm not being a part of these altars to Baal. Because without the money that's coming in, these altars will be cut off. Why? Because Baal is the one behind the love of money, the root of all evil. Baal can't exist without being financed big time. Do you know that? That's what we're talking about. And here the Lord is, here's what you do. You're going to go first to the altar that's right in your own town. See, he says, tear down the altar bell, which belongs to your own father. What's he saying? Deal with this in your house. If you let somebody live in your house who watches pornography, you have built an altar to Baal. And if they're there because you're afraid of money, you have an altar Baal in your house and you have an Ishtar spirit of perversion. And if you think that God is going to stay in that house, you're wrong. You are wrong. There's no reason ever to have an altar of Baal in the house of a believer. You need to say what God says. If it's not your house, but your children, and they love you and they respect you or whatever, either way, you need to say the truth. You need to say, I would rather you not move in with this person and live with them. I think you need to honor God's way of doing marriage. You don't put the, you don't put the altar. I, I've told my kids, I said, well, I, you, you, I'm not going to visit I'll love you, but I'm not going to visit. I'm not going to go and hang out where an altar to Baal has been put down. But I'm going to love unconditionally. You can come to my house. I'm not going to have an altar to Baal. You're not sleeping in the same room at my house. Do you understand what I'm saying? The church has gotten so lukewarm. I'm going to love unconditionally. I can go into, uh, if the Lord tells me to go into your house with, I will, but I'm, but I'm not going to just act like it's okay. Not a judgmental, a understanding of spiritual things. An understanding like, 
I don't want, I'm taking authority over the altar bell you're trying to put in your house. I'm taking authority over it. So I, I want my prayers to be powerful. Let me tell you this. Your prayers aren't powerful when you compromise with the enemy, but they're also not powerful when you're self-righteous, judgmental, and we gave them this horrible culture. And then we just want to tell them, okay, and you're not have authority till you repent of whatever bales you had in your own life. Because most of us us did, right? So we have to repent of those bales and mean it and recognize because I had that altar to bail. Now I'm reaping some of this. God have mercy. God, show me what to do. Show me how to pray. Show me what to do because it's by love. Love never fails. I don't want altars of Baal set up that could hurt my children, hurt my grandchildren, hurt you guys. I don't want altars. That's why when you think, why is she jumping? I'm not jumping in your business, but if I know that you got a bunch of sin going on in your house and you, you're having a mess, I'm not going to pretend that I don't know there's a bunch of garbage going on in your house. And that's why you have such a mess. It's not itchy you're preaching around here, is it? But it is preached from love. It's a rescuing kind of heart. And then you have to recognize, quit. The, the way to get a, a hyper-spirituality or religious spirit that is fake and even can move into witchcraft is to let there be bales in your house or in your business or anywhere else and think it's Holy Spirit or think it's okay. You can roll your eyes, but you really got to pray, listen to some of this. What are you hiding from with your spirituality? What are you really afraid of? Why don't you have the wholeness in Christ? What is going on? We're supposed to be the people that people are drawn to, not put off by. But not because we go along with the mess. The Lord has been witnessing to people all the time who aren't saved. But I don't treat them like they're not saved. I don't preach down at them. That doesn't work. I just share what God's done in my life without putting pro before swing because he gives me the words what to say. And I don't just think, well, they can't handle this. Can we get over thinking people can't handle this? That's judgmental. I used to do that with, with people in my family. Said, well, they couldn't handle this. I just, I'll just keep this secret life. They can't handle this. You know what? The secret's out. This is who I am in Christ. This is who I am in Christ. I'm not going to be somebody else because you're you're visiting. I'm not going to be somebody else. I'm not going to be the self-righteous, arrogant person that most of us have been as we're growing up in God and turned everybody off. I've repented for that. But I'm going to be who I am in Christ. I'm going to pray the way I pray. I'm going to stop and go get along with God the way I go get along with God, even if the house is full of people. I'm not going to be a hypocrite, but I'm not going to be self-righteous. Get over self-righteousness. That's where your righteousness and what you think you do and what you think you don't do. And it's you doing it and not God doing it. And anything you do is self-righteous. Anything he does through you is for his glory. Anybody can try to follow all the rules because they're afraid of other things. Don't get your identity in self-righteousness. Get your identity in Christ. Get your identity in Christ. People are put off by self-righteous people. The people I talk to who don't know the Lord, they tell me they don't know the Lord. They're not put off. They love, they cause, let's go to lunch again. 
Self-righteous, they don't want to call you back. Self-righteous, they feel judged by you. And they're not even drawn to you. They don't, if they don't want what you have, then what you say means nothing, just so you know. You have to have enough of a relationship for them to say, man, you know. Otherwise, you're just telling them rules that makes them feel like you're condemning and judging them. How amazing to get free enough to be who you are, but not judging somebody else who's not where you're at. You need to ask God to help you with that. The church has got to get free from self-righteousness. That's caused a lot of people to run away and caused really hurt people to run in but not get healed. So listen to this. He says to him, you're going to throw down the altar which belongs to your father. You should cut down the pillar beside it. To me, for us, it means we need to tear down any place where the enemy, the love of money, and Caleb did a very good talk on that last Tuesday. Um, anything about selfish ambition, anything about wanting to lord it over people, any of those things that's under bail, we need to get those altars away from us. Anything, you can be totally in poverty and be serving bail because every decision you make is based on money instead of trusting God. That's still bail. It doesn't mean bail people are all rich. It just means bail people all are led by finances and not led by Christ. All right. And then it says, cut down the pillar besides it. The pillar is more of this thing that held it in place. And I would say that would be cleansing out your house. That would be getting rid of the things that um, kind of glorify that thing. So getting rid of the garbage in your house, getting rid of the things in your house. Like I said, if, if you got to go and move all the televisions out of your house because you've got kids who just will not follow the rules or won't listen to the parental things, you have to do what you have to do to get the pillars out of the house. All right. Gideon took. So Gideon did it. He took 10 men from his servants and did as Jehovah had spoken to him. Listen to this. And it happened since he feared his father's house and the men of that city to do it by day. So he did it by night. So anyway, I love it. He did it though, right? He's like, okay, I love this because it's so real that how you would think, okay, God tells me I have to do this. How am I going to do this with the least amount of trouble? How am I going to do this and not get killed? How am I going to do this? So he's saying, I know I'll go at night. So my dad won't see me. The men of the city won't see me. I'm just going to go and I'm going to do this at night. And God let him do that. How many can see yourself a little in this? God says, well, I want you to go witness to that person. Okay, well, I'm going to wait till they're not around those other people. And I'm going to do it with a little letter. I'm going to send a little card. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, you know what God's told you to do, but you automatically start trying to, how do I do this? I don't know about you. I do this all the time. I used to do it all the time without upsetting too many people. So that's what Gideon's doing. <laughs> and the men of the city, so then the people of the city rose early in the morning and behold, the altar of Baal had been smashed, and the pillar beside it had been cut down. The second bull had been offered on the altar which was built. All right, now this is a big deal to them, okay? This would be like, if you want to say, the burning down of a church that was in your neighborhood, so to speak, and you went by there every day and said a prayer before you went to work. And all of a sudden you get there, 
and it's gone. Somebody vandalize it. Somebody burn it down. Just so you get an idea why they're so upset. These are people who wouldn't go to work, who wouldn't do anything without first giving an offering and worshiping Baal. It was so big that they had to do it every day. So when they got there in the morning, not only was it smashed down, I mean, it was gone, and they're, they're all ticked off. And the mother said, he said, bring out, okay, so it says, and they each said to their neighbor, who has done this? And they asked and they saw it. So they all kind of started fishing around for answers. And then they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. So somebody saw him, somebody knew it was him, somebody heard him talking about it, one of the men who helped him, somebody somewhere gave enough evidence that it was Gideon. And the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son, he shall die. He has broken down the altar of Baal and he's cut down the pillar beside it. Now the Lord gave me some strategy even praying for our nation Friday night when I started getting some of this. And some of you will get it, some of you won't. I'll have to talk a little in code. When a certain person didn't get their position, let me see this, when a certain Ishtar <laughs> didn't get her position in a very powerful part of our government and basically had to step down recently, and this person, she's kind of antsy, and she, um, she basically began to curse the people, especially one person who was behind her not winning that position back. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody got mad because Baal was losing its power and its altar. And then this person began to stir up trouble and wanted to kill the people behind this. And all of a sudden, if you've looked at the political environment for the last few weeks, there's been a lot of divisiveness. And you can see these in your homes too, okay? This is anywhere where witchcraft's operating. What happened? All of a sudden, they're trying to make this person from uh, one state, let's make that person the next person running instead of this person. And let's, no matter what, we're destroying this person. All of a sudden, the spirit of Ishtar, the spirit had some power and authority, just got dethroned. Ho! Oh, really got dethroned because a certain person went out and stirred up people to not put that person back into position. Do you understand what I'm saying? And in that place, that person got angry, just like these people are getting angry, and decided that that person has got to die. And all of a sudden, it was turning everybody against that person to a place to where there was confusion and division. A house divided can't stand. If we can make uh, any particular group of people divided against each other, they can't stand. If we can make this nation divided against each other, it can't stand. If we can make politics divided against each other, they can't stand. If, we, if they can get your family, if you have somebody in your family who tries to divide everybody else, they, the house can't stand. That is a spiritual law. Do you get what I'm saying? That's a spiritual law. You can apply this to your homes. You can apply this to where you work. You can apply this to everywhere that goes. Make sure you're not the person. Make sure you're not the person being divisive and trying to go after other people. This was the spirit that operated in what happened in Chesapeake with the Walmart.
I won't get into more detail, but there was people behind the scenes stirring up contention and strife against somebody trying to do their job. I'm not justifying anybody. The person trying to do their job was already demonized. But when that stir came up, then that spirit, I've got to kill everybody who's trying to take my position happened. And we just saw a, a mass murder in Chesapeake, right? Do you understand? I'm teaching you how to apply this to more than some off in the sky thing about bigger politics or anything else. We need to pray against the spirit in our homes. Then we need to pray against the spirit in this city. We need to pray against the spirit in our state. We need to stop the violence and the murder that happens because of the spirit. And if you want to really get about it, if you go into places where there's tons of violence and you go into places, they're, they're just shooting people in the streets in some of these cities. This is the spirit operating. It's the men of the city angry and wanting to kill and stop anybody who comes against them living for bail. Lawlessness, all that's part of it. We're going to really pray. Come Friday nights, we're really going to be praying on Friday nights. All right, listen to this. Here's God's answer. This is so cool. So in each said to their neighbor who has done this, and they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. The men of the city said to Joash, now, the word Josh means a father figure. Bring out your son. He shall die because he's broken down the altar of Baal because he's cut down the pillar beside it. Now, Josh is going to give us how we stop this thing. Okay? He, he actually gave strategy for us to pray to stop this attack on, if you want to call it the, I got to watch what I say. Um, there's a movement that God is stirring up behind it to try to bring our constitution back into light. There's a movement to try to take our nation back to traditional values and to put God back into our nation, okay? There's a movement, and there's someone who was president who was behind this movement, and he hasn't quit people. He's gone, and he did all the rallies. He worked harder than even the politicians to try to make sure to dethrone these bales. He, he's, he's wanting to destroy the bales and take them down and set up altars for God. That's why he's trying to get the church to cooperate, but so much of the church has their own altars to bail. And we, the church, have to go after that. Newport News is full of altars to bail, even this Sunday morning, and they don't even know it. So we got to fight the spirit, right? Okay. So what did Josh did? But Josh said to all that stood against him, who are you to contend for Baal? Or who are you that you think he needs you to save him? He who contends for him shall be killed by morning. What did he do? He just basically came back and said, you know, if you contend for this evil one, you're going to bring a curse on yourself. You're going to bring a curse on yourself. What he did is he put it back in their face. That if, if Baal is really God, he can handle this himself. And then he scared them. He scared them. And he basically said, you're, gonna, you're bringing a curse on yourself if you try to fight this battle. In other words, if you are coming to murder someone, you just opened the door for murder against you, which is true. I don't, if, if, if people would understand that when you vote that it's okay for Moloch to kill our babies, even now to the point where they're being born in some states, you just release violence on your family. 
So quit blaming everybody else. Don't be sitting there all smiling, happy, happy, because you've always been okay with abortion. If you're okay with abortion, you have no protection from violence. We have an entire generation coming up who's being taught that that's good, that that's okay. And if you don't think the world's going to get more violent with that, something's wrong with us. And the church has got, we have got to be voices to the part of the church that are still in bondage. You cannot expect divine protection when you put a curse on yourself by going after protecting Baal. If you protect Baal, you're under the curse. And Joash is just saying, you're under that curse. He's speaking this thing out like, do you really want to come under that curse? If Baal's real, he'll handle this himself. He said, if he is a God, then let him contend for himself. Because one has smashed his altar. In other words, if he's such a big wig, he's going to handle this. Don't participate in murder. Don't participate in cursing. Do not become a part of this game. So I'm not telling us to curse anybody. I'm telling us to get the revelation that you cannot play. You cannot go in and come against the true God and it not have consequences. Okay? So we're about to see this in our nation. You're about to see the consequences of people coming against God. The real God, not Baal. You can smash Baal altars, you're supposed to. But when you start to touch that God has sent Gideon, God sent Gideon to touch this thing, right? God told him to tear it down. God is telling the church, tear down these altars, tear down this paganism, hate it, destroy it. Let my spirit come and do what it's going to do. And don't care who threatens you for doing it. God will take care of them, right? That's what he's saying. And then it says, and on that day, he called him. So on that day, he called him, oh, somebody say that word, Jerubbaal, J-E-R-U-B-B-A-A-L. It's not Jerubbaal, that's a different person. Jerubbaal, whatever it is, Jerubbaal, saying, let Baal contend against him because he has smashed his altar. And all of Midian and Amalek and the sons of the east were gathered together and crossed over and camped in the valley. All right, we're stopping here. Because then we're going to get into what God caused Gideon to do next to go further than after the altar in his house. And the reason is, I want you all to go home this week and seriously take down the Baal altars in your house. And I know there's not a genuine altar, hopefully, in your house. Now, we got Satanists now where there really are, not in this church, but out there. But I'm talking about anything that has to do with unclean stuff in your house, anything that has to do with sin being allowed in your house, anything that has to do with the love of money, ordering your steps, anything that has to do, anything that has to do with any of that. Go and get with God and get your heart right and bring that altar down. And when people threaten you, okay, get this some people. If you have a child who's an adult and they're operating in these spirits and they come and they're angry and they're mad and we're going to, I'm going to make you regret this. You've got to know, wait a minute. God is going to protect me. I don't have to be afraid of their threats. I just have to have the stance that Joash had to know I'm not, you can't curse me. I'm doing what God wants me to do. 
and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. But you have to have that faith and you have to trust that God is bigger than anything and know how, see, you've got to quit being in, in uh, enabling demonic activity in your home. You have to be able to quit enabling those things. You have to be able to say that's not allowed in our home. That's not allowed in our home. And, and I, I just tell this real fast. One time when one of my sons was a teenager and he's kind of in a very small, short window of rebellion, not horrible. Most people would think that was better than normal, but I knew it was a rebellion. And so the Lord would just give me wisdom, like just don't sweat the small stuff, just whatever. And, and I was being treated kind of mean by this kid, but guys worked it out everything because I listened to God. But I remember one day walking in and he and some friends, this was a teenager, were watching something that was using the Lord's name in vain and actually kind of blasphemous. And I just walked right in front of him and his friends and I turned the TV off and I said, you know what? We will not, you cannot watch this in this house. You cannot put this on. You cannot have any part of this in this house. I'm not gonna put up with this. Other things God let me put up with. He gave me grace to put up with them. But this one, like, this is not happening. And they all just sat there really quiet. And I walked out. I didn't lecture them. I didn't throw the Bible at them. I didn't tell them to get their butts to church. I just said, this is not happening in this house. It's time we clean up our houses. It's time we clean up our houses. This is not happening in this house. And that's what the Lord's calling us to this week. He's calling us to really deal with these things. He's calling you to deal with the things you're doing in your house that's serving the wrong God. If you don't start with you, you have no authority to then come and watch your house get cleansed. And then your prayers are powerful. See, you want your children to know, and everybody who knows you, your parents, your children, anyone, your coworkers, you want them to know where you stand in Christ. But you're not their judge. You're the rescuer. You're not their judge. You're, you're, you're the rescuer. So you've got to get free from being their judge before you'll have the love from God to be their rescuer. But you can take a stand. I take a stand in this church. Maybe we're not gigantic with a lot of people, but anybody knows. You want your children to know if they ask you something, what you would say. Not with the self-righteous thing, though. Get, get free from that. But with a genuine, this is who my mom is in Christ. This is who my dad is in Christ. This is what they're going to say if we ask them about this. I, I really believe, as the overseer of this church, don't most of you know what I'll say about most things? Don't you pretty much know where I stand? Right? Well, that's good. You could go to other churches and that's not true. Well, God wants that in your homes, but you have to live it or you're a hypocrite. So don't, don't make a stand till you know you're living it. And then you can really make that stand in Christ and take down those altars. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there and there's a resource uh, library there. And also check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us. 
come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.